Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. What's up, Collective Church? Uh, It's me, Jonathan. I'm the associate pastor over at Mosaic Christian Church over there in Elk Ridge, and I'm excited to get to be back here with you in our series, Summer Mixtape, and to dive into something that it took me a long time to learn, but I think once you do, it actually can help you grow exponentially in your faith. But I want to kick off our conversation today with a story of someone doing doing something absolutely crazy. Uh, In December 2018, a 33-year-old named Colin O'Brady did something that no one in the history of the world had ever done before when he hiked across the entire continent of Antarctica by himself in one continuous effort with no resupplies. Um, He started off with no assistance. He got dropped off on a freighter and he had one sled with him that weighed 375 pounds. It carried all of his gear, uh, all of his supplies, all of his food, all of his bathroom necessities, And no one had ever done this before, but he set out to do it. And truthfully, whenever someone tried, they either died in the process or they quit because it was so difficult. But on um, December 26 uh, of 2018, Colin O'Brady accomplished the impossible. He completed the 932-mile journey by himself over the span of 54 days. And on a good day, Colin said that the weather would be around negative 25 But then on bad days, the wind would pick up and there'd be a crazy storm and the weather would hover around negative 80 degrees, which is crazy. And you should know that Antarctica is actually one massive hill to the South Pole. So for the whole first half of his journey, this guy Colin was carrying this 375 pound sled, which is insane. And the journey was actually so cold. We have photos of this that any slit in his facial gear that would occur while he was traveling, the wind would be so cold that it would cause micro frostbite in the different spaces of his face. And so he had to make sure every aspect of his skin was covered. It was crazy. And uh, he knew he really wanted to finish this right around Christmas. And as he got ready to to complete the journey, he decided that he was just going to go on one massive push to hit his deadline when he ended on December 26th. And so for the final 32 straight hours of his journey, he trekked 77 miles across Antarctica by himself with almost no supplies left over. Now, something that's really funny about this is that at the same time that he did this, an Englishman was attempting to do the very same thing, and he showed up just a few days later, which makes me feel bad for the Brit, because imagine you've been training for years to do this incredible journey, only to find out some American got there before you, and they beat you to it. I mean, that would be really disheartening. But um, when you hear this story and you see these photos, if you're like me, you think, this is absolutely crazy. Like, why would anyone want to trek across Antarctica like that? And that's a reasonable response. Now, some of you think it's crazy, but also some of you are highly motivated right now. Like, you want to go accomplish some mission, or you want to go push yourself physically, or maybe just take a cold shower and see how long you can last, because this is motivating to you. And uh, this example of someone doing something crazy is so motivating because it's crazy. Because it's not something that you and I would want to do. And I think that's really significant to acknowledge. Like we are motivated by people who just go out and do things on their own and they're crazy. 
I mean, in a podcast I got to listen to with Colin and another interviewer, some of the uh, treks, some of the journey that he had to take caused him to hallucinate for hours on end because of the extreme loneliness and isolation. He said that there were days where he would just cry without ending and the tears would freeze uh, at the bottom of his goggles. Like it was insane what this guy went through. But the reason we're motivated by it is because it's crazy. And accomplishments like this uh, really do represent not just how we are motivated by other people, but it also represents something for us spiritually, I believe. See, whether you're watching this right now and you're an open-hearted seeker, or maybe you're a fully bought-in Jesus follower, or maybe you're hesitantly skeptical and you're not quite sure what to make of me or collective or this broadcast or digital church or anything like that, no matter who you are, many of us, when we want to grow in life, we think we have to do it on our own. We see growth in other people or we see them do these crazy things and we think, all right, I gotta be like them. I just gotta hunker down and I gotta tough it out and I just gotta try to be like them. And we try to imitate them by doing it on our own. And the problem is, is that oftentimes when we see people accomplish great things, we actually ignore what it takes to get there. We look at the end result of their grit or their perseverance or their talent, but we ignore what it takes to get there. And I think when it comes to our faith, that's even more prevalent. See, we find ourselves dropped off in this world in 2020, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of political polarization and racial unrest. And we know, even now more than ever, there's something spiritual about us. There's something uh, spiritual that we long for. And we start to ask questions about whether there is a God or not, whether we want to know him. Is it possible to know him? And we begin to sort of explore this wilderness, this adventure of what spirituality could be. But because we have no idea where we're going, Maybe some of us feel like that guy, Colin O'Brady, where we're in the middle of this Arctic tundra with little supplies, trying to get by, trying to figure things out with no real end in sight. And so many of us don't have a background in the Bible even. So the only education we have when it comes to faith is what the culture tells us about the Bible, which isn't very pretty, or what the culture tells us about Christians, which is even worse. And so for some of us, we, we try to engage church sometimes, uh, we try to step into a spiritual institution, and then things get more complicated, or we discover that we know even less than we thought through at the beginning. And so even in our attempt to navigate everything crazy in this world, and we want to pursue spiritual things, we eventually keep doing it on our own, and it produces bad results. So here's why I want to dive into this conversation. I think a lot of us really want to grow, but we don't know where to go. And, and whether we're navigating uh, political things or cultural moments or even just what does it mean to walk and have a relationship with God, we want to grow, but we don't know where to go. And you've experienced this physically. You, you want to get healthy and you want to go run a race, but you don't know where to get started, so you end up just eating Doritos all night. <laughs> you never change anything. Or maybe you want to grow financially and you realize, I make too much money to be this broke, but you don't really know how to get started, so you just continue your unhealthy spending habits. Or maybe um, you want to grow spiritually and you step inside a church, but you don't really get connected. You don't know anybody. And inevitably, you just kind of give up and you fall back to the same patterns or the same temptations or the same life that you had before. But here, uh, today is an opportunity to figure out how do you grow when you don't know where to go? And so specifically, I want to say that today is for those of you that found Collective randomly on Google and you've been tuning in maybe every week and you've been experiencing some great things. You know, you get in your feelings when you hear the sermons or listen to the music and all that's great. But now you're at a point where you're wondering, is this it? What else do I do here to grow in the midst of this pandemic? This message today is also gonna be for those of you who love Jesus and you love collective and you're connected in a small group, but you know that you're not hitting the top gear of who God made you to be. 
And you know that there's something in you that he wants to do through you uh, for the benefit of others. And you just know you're not tapping into that yet. Today's for you. And I also want to talk to those of you that are hurting. Because I know that in the midst of all this craziness, there's those of you that feel like you've been overlooked and forgotten. The parent whose kid is addicted to opioids and nobody's talking about that anymore. And you don't know what to do. Uh, It's for the artist whose entire livelihood has been put on pause because nobody cares about your artwork right now. And so you've spiraled into some things that you're not proud of. And now you're here tuning in, but you're almost afraid that you're watching because you think God might punish you for what you did last night. It's for those of you that have bumping social media games. Uh, Everything looks good, but you know, deep down you hate yourself. The things that no one's really talking about right now, but it's really all you think about. See, I know that you want to grow. That's why you're here. And so I want to help you figure out where do you go from here? And the most encouraging thing for me when I feel tensions like this, or I feel like I don't know where to go, comes down to the fact that there's almost nothing new that I can experience that the Bible doesn't speak on. And that's going to be true for us today as we jump into the Bible, as we learn from God's word to help us navigate this very real tension that we feel. And uh, one of the reasons I love going to the Bible, again, is because there's nothing new that we go through that the Bible doesn't talk about. See, this idea of wanting to grow but not knowing where to go was a very uh, common principle within the early church after Jesus died, rose again, and then ascended into heaven and left the disciples to figure things out. And so there's a book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians written by this guy named Paul. He writes about almost half of the entire New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to help Christians navigate some of the tough questions they have because for a long time, in order to grow spiritually, the answer was just, well, go hang out with Jesus because he was there. But now that he's gone, they're trying to figure out like, how do we grow? How do we figure this stuff out? Like, how do I answer my questions? Jesus is gone. What do I do? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul outlines several tensions that people face and addresses them with clarity. Some of the questions maybe you've asked before. Like, wait, if God forgives my sin, no matter what, then why should I even worry about sinning? I can just do whatever I want if God forgives me. Paul talks about that tension. Or maybe the question of, all right, so I'm not supposed to do the things I used to do with my non-Christian friends, like partying and and all that stuff, but I'm not supposed to give up on my non-Christian friends. So how do I navigate that tension? Paul talks about that here in 1 Corinthians 10. Another one is, what's the deal with demons? Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 10. Or what about, does God tempt me? And why would he tempt me if I know I'm going to fail? Like, what do I do with that? Paul talks about that tension. And so for several chapters in this book, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, For several chapters leading up to it, Paul addresses these tensions. Again, because the answer for so long was just, hey, go be with Jesus. But now Jesus is gone. And there's a whole slew of people who are trying to figure out how do we grow, but they don't know where to go. So I want to read just a couple verses in 1 Corinthians 10, written by Paul, to help us land the plane and figure out, okay, how do we answer that question? How do we grow when we don't know where to go? So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Paul writes, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And here's our key verse today. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. See, Paul acknowledges something here that has been true for so long, but churchy people have been afraid to admit. Paul acknowledges here 
that it is far easier to follow someone who's following Jesus than to follow Jesus on your own. Paul is helping us see as the church that it is actually better for us to follow someone else who's following Jesus than for us to try to just follow Jesus on our own. I mean, imagine being one of these early Christians. They went from having dinner with Jesus to having to figure stuff out on their own. They went from being able to like process their emotions and their tensions and all the things that they had to navigate, dapping up with Jesus and laughing with Jesus and having a glass of wine with Jesus, and now he's gone and they don't know what to do. And if we're honest, we struggle with that stuff too. Because imagine, these guys used to know the voice of Jesus and now they don't hear it anymore. And, and we don't know what the voice of Jesus sounds like. We, it's not like we get to pick up the phone and call them and all of a sudden a direct line. Like, that's not what faith looks like. That's not what prayer looks like. There's no special frequency to know if God likes your prayer or not. There's no special light that you see if you get baptized that suddenly makes faith easy. That doesn't happen because it's easier. But what's true is it's easier to follow someone who follows Jesus than it is to follow Jesus on your own. So I want to encourage some of you at this point already. There are those of you who are tuning in and you want to give up. You think this whole thing is crap. You think this whole thing doesn't make any sense. It's not true. And I want to tell you, it's not because God's abandoned you. It's not because you're too far gone. It's not because that sin that you have in your life suddenly disqualifies you from him. It may be because you're trying to grow in a way that God never designed you to on your own. And so if, if you acknowledge that, that maybe you've just been trying to do this thing by yourself, this could be a huge moment for you to realize that God actually is not distant from you. He's actually drawing you to himself in this moment to help you grow in the way he wired you to. See, the first problem in the Bible isn't sin. I know that's heresy. The first problem in the Bible is actually isolation. It was Adam not having a companion and God saw that was a problem. So he gave him his wife, Eve, to be his partner, to be a co-laborer in this mission that God had given them. And God created man and he saw that he was alone and that wasn't any good. And then in the same way that he saw Adam needed Eve, God knows that you need someone to help you navigate this thing called faith. So I want to get real focused on our final passage today. First uh, Corinthians 11 verse 1. And I want to look almost word for word and break down what does it look like for you and I to live this out to help us grow in those seasons when we don't know where to go. So here we go. First Corinthians 11 verse 1. Look at what Paul says again. He says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now, whenever we get to the Bible, it's important to ask questions of it. Uh, I think if you're ever under the teaching of someone who says, don't ask questions of the Bible, they're leading you astray. You should always ask questions of the Bible to help you better process it. And one of the first questions I ask when I read this verse is, why did Paul write the word imitate? Like, why didn't he say, learn as I learned from Jesus or listen to me as I repeat what Jesus says? No, Paul said, the Greek word there means to imitate. So why did Paul say the word imitate? Well, I think it's because God and Paul wanted us to learn something about the way we learn things that would help us better grow in our faith no matter what we're going through. So I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm getting a little bit older, but I still like to work out a lot. I still like to play a lot of sports, but that means I have to stretch like every day. Like every morning I have to stretch, every night I have to stretch. And uh, it's been going for a long time now where I have to stretch like the top part of my butt, my hamstrings, my quads, and make sure like my lower back is good, my shoulders are good, my neck. Like it's a whole ordeal that I have to do just to be a functional person now because my body just gets so tight. Like literally, I've never been able to touch my toes, still can't after stretching twice a day for like two years. It's a problem. Don't worry about it. But uh, when I started stretching a lot, it was actually right around the time that my wife and I had our first kid. And for a long time, 
I used to have to wake up really early to stretch so I could do it before my daughter woke up. Because if I'm trying to stretch while she's awake, she's going to climb on top of me like a jungle gym and it's just going to be a mess. It's actually probably going to hurt me more than help me. But um, last year on vacation, uh, you know, it's vacation. I'm not going to wake up super early. So I start stretching while my daughter's awake. And uh, as you can see, as I was stretching, my daughter started doing the exact same poses. Like she was doing like downward facing dog and all sorts of these like poor man's yoga stuff that I do just to help myself stay healthy. And that was sweet. That was fun. I was right there. She imitated me, no problem. But then later the next day, excuse me, uh, she started doing downward facing dog on a chair at the beach by herself, like on her own. She started doing these stretches. It was super cute. I was like, get it, girl. Like, I was so proud of her. Like, it was awesome. Now, listen to this. If I sat my daughter down, and at then point, she was like 20 months old. If I sat her down and tried to explain why stretching is good and try to explain what, like, the warrior pose or downward facing dog was, it wouldn't mean anything to her. But why is it that my daughter, who wasn't even two yet, was able to basically execute these stretches? It's because as people, we learn best when we have a chance to imitate someone else. Like at a very, very young age, my daughter was able to grasp and imitate my behavior. And if she did have back problems, it probably would have helped her out. And look, this isn't just kids who do this. Uh, In order for us to grow to the fullness of who we need to be, whatever we're doing, we need to learn how to follow and imitate other people. This is why Paul calls us to imitate. This is why doctors go to residency. It's why electricians and plumbers have apprenticeships. It's why teachers have to go to student teaching. Even if the person you're shadowing is not very good at their job, you still have to go to student teaching because imitation is our primary way for us to be educated. See, I think we grow the most, not just by learning and listening to others, but by imitating those who are doing what we want to be doing. And as we navigate the waters of faith, if we want to grow and we don't know where to go, the first thing Paul calls us to do is not just to sit and listen to people, not just to learn and hear them spout stuff at us. It's actually for us to imitate the ways that they are following Jesus. In church world, this is called discipleship. And I'm really passionate about this. Uh, I think discipleship, you should know, just means coming alongside someone in a one-on-one relationship where you open up all of your life for the purpose of spiritual formation for the purpose of being stretched and encouraged and sharpened as you grow. And I love discipleship. I think it's super important. But I think oftentimes the American church gets it wrong because we love to get educated more than we like to execute. Like we like to learn a bunch of stuff about the Bible more than we like to put the stuff that we learned from the Bible into practice. But this idea of imitation is so brilliant from Paul because it demands action. You can't imitate someone if you're just sitting there learning from a textbook or learning from some devotional thing. You actually have to get in the game. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying, hey, let's start doing things and let's start living in a way of faith that's gonna spur us on to love God more instead of just listening and educating and just getting overstuffed with information. And I know that this isn't how we like to grow a lot of the times because it demands more of us. But here's something that I think you need to hear. You cannot become who God wants you to be if your education exceeds your execution. You're not going to become who God wants you to be if you get so educated that you actually exceed your ability to execute. Paul knew that. And that's why he's calling us here to imitate someone else. So here's how you do it. Here are the two things you need to do if you want to imitate somebody. You need to stick to proximity and frequency. You need proximity and frequency to imitate somebody. That's it. If you aren't close to someone Uh, If you don't connect with them frequently, you're going to be able to settle for impersonation 
but you're not going to be able to experience imitation. You don't know celebrities. You don't know these famous people that you follow on Instagram. So you can kind of impersonate what they do, but if you don't actually know someone and have proximity and frequency with, some, with someone, you're not actually going to be able to really imitate them. And so one of the big things for you, if you're at a point right now where you're realizing, oh, I've been trying to grow by just learning a bunch of information instead of realizing that I need to step into imitation of someone who follows Jesus correctly. Um, if that's you, I would encourage you to pick someone and to commit to spending frequent time with them at a close space. And I know social distancing makes that difficult, but that doesn't mean you can't connect on a Zoom. That doesn't mean you can't go for walks, whatever. Be outside, be healthy, be safe. But imitating others for the purpose of spiritual growth comes down to copying godly behavior, not repeating spiritual talking points. And our world and our social media lives are filled with people who talk a big game. But if you want to grow, find someone who's following godly behavior, who's acting right, who's submitting to scripture, who's being bold in their faith, and just copy them for a while. You don't have to be brilliant all the time. You can find someone who's doing it right and just copy them for a while and see the fruit grow in your life. See, Paul says to imitate. And then the next thing he says is to imitate me. Not, not me, Jonathan, but like, you know, me, Paul. And you should know that Paul isn't being arrogant here. Uh, he says to imitate me because he was the right person for this context to imitate. See, Paul was a Jew who then converted to Christianity and a huge portion of the early church were Jewish people who were learning to follow Jesus and submit to Jesus. But he was also a citizen of Rome. So he was also able to speak to people who weren't Jewish, trying to function. How do I pledge my allegiance to Jesus while not pledging my allegiance to Caesar, but still operating, not getting arrested by the Romans? Like he was the perfect person for them to imitate. And so when Paul says, imitate me, he's not saying, uh, oh yeah, I have to find out exactly how Paul lived thousands of years ago and do everything he said. What Paul is modeling for us is to help us figure out how do we pick that person to imitate. So we've established it's important to imitate if you want to grow, but next you've got to figure out how do I pick the person to imitate. And by looking at Paul's example to the early church, I think we see two ingredients necessary if you want someone to disciple you. If you want to grow in this season where you don't know where to go and you want to find somebody, here's the two things you need to do. Find someone who's headed to the same place as you and find someone who's going at a challenging pace. Go into the same place at a challenging pace. If you can find that, you are set for growth. It is a great opportunity. And I know this isn't mind-blowing. Like, I'm not saying anything where people are like, wow, John is so smart. I'm just saying stuff that's in the Bible that you can live out to help you grow. And uh, I think we understand this up here, but we don't get this down here. Because we find ourselves in positions in life or even in spiritual places where we ask ourselves, like, how did I get here? You're like, how did I end up in this place? Why am I so far from God? Or why did I make that decision? Or why am I in this environment? Why did I take that job? And we find ourselves in places we don't want to be, but we have to acknowledge it's because we're following someone who's going to a different place as us, or they're going at a pace that's not challenging for us. See, here's what's true. If you show me your five best friends right now, I'll show you your next five years. Like it's that easy. And that's why Paul urges us that as we navigate the waters of spiritual growth, we've got to have someone in our life that we can be close to, that we can be with frequently, who's going to the same place we want to go, and they're going at a chase, a pace that's challenging for us. So here's a really important question that I think you could navigate that'll help you grow this week. Are the people that are closest to you there by default or by design? Are the people closest to you, are they there by default or by design? Because right now in this moment, God is calling some of you to step out of a relationship that they're not going where, they want, where you want to go. They're not going at a pace that's actually challenging for your own growth. 
And you need to replace that relationship with one that is going to be by design, going to where you want to go, and going at a pace that's challenging for you. We've got to be intentional about who we pick because who you choose to imitate will determine who you become. Paul says to pick someone who's going to the same place, going to a challenging pace. So here are a couple modifiers that I would encourage you to, to filter people through. If you're kind of starting from scratch and you're like, how do I even pick somebody? Here are a couple of things that I would encourage you to do to make sure they're going to the same place as you. Number one, pick someone who submits to scripture. Pick someone who sees the Bible as God's word. And even when they struggle with it, they don't stray from it. Find someone who pursues holiness and falls back on God's word as the authority in their life, even when they don't understand and even when it's difficult. Second thing you can do is find someone who shows grace and embraces truth. Someone who's going to give you endless second chances, not for if, but when you screw up. Uh, But they also aren't afraid to tell you uh, the truth in love. That's the second thing you got to do. And number three is find someone who cares about lost people. Uh, I think it's easy to find someone who knows a lot of information. But I think it's more important that you find someone in your life who doesn't let themselves get spiritually obese. Where they learn all the things about scripture and Hebrew and Greek, but they're not burning any spiritual calories by actually seeking those who are lost and destined for separation from Jesus. So you got to find someone who submits to scripture, shows grace and truth, and cares about the lost. Because you can't become who God wants you to be by surrounding yourself with people who are going the opposite direction. You just can't. There's great Bible verses on this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Listen, it's so important to find people going to the same place as you. But then on top of all this, you've got to find people who are operating at a pace that's challenging for you. So here's something that's funny to me. We, we all have these like labels that we willingly step into. Uh, we've all got these categories that kind of outline our identity as people. And, and I think the most simple way to see this is when you log onto someone's social media, especially Instagram or Twitter, and you see like their bio. And basically your people are putting out labels and identifiers for themselves that kind of capture who they are. So you go on Instagram, right? And you see someone who will write like lover of coffee, personal trainer, Michigan State alum, dog mom. And you can tell like these are the labels that they're willing to accept. And we've all got these roles that we occupy in life. But I think what happens is that we uh, often mistake as we seek for mentors or people to compartmentalize the things we want to grow in. Uh, instead of realizing that in order to grow fully, we need to find people who connect with all of our labels. We settle for people that connect with like one that we want and then we hope it works, but we realize they're actually challenged, they're operating at a pace that doesn't work for us. This happened to me when I was the bad guy of a story. When uh, I was in a small group, I think like a year and a half ago, and I was uh, really getting passionate about solitude and meditation. And I was pushing everybody in my small group to spend 20 minutes of silence every day alone with God, not even talking to God, just listening to what he's saying. And I remember in that group, everyone agreed to do the 20 minute challenge every day for a week, except this one woman who had three kids under the age of four. And as she heard me break down this passion I had about 20 minutes of silence every day, this woman looked at me and was like, John, I, I, just, I just don't know how I can do this. I got three kids under four. Like, there's just no way I'm gonna be able to do it. And no kidding, I looked her dead in the eye in front of the group and I said, you just don't want it enough. <laughs> it's terrible, yo. Like, I know it's bad. I've repented. I've apologized to her. We're good now. But I was trying to force her to operate at a pace that worked for me when she had very different life circumstances. And I bring up this story because there are roles in people's lives that demand different things. 
And I say all this because in order for you to find someone who's operating at a pace that's good for you, you need to get honest about what are your limitations or what are someone else's limitations. So as you seek to imitate someone, make sure that their pace is challenging for you and make sure it's not a pace that you can just write off and then you actually fall to the wayside. Like if you're a new mom and you're trying to grow right now in this season, it's probably not wise for you to try to imitate some 55-year-old female business executive who's got no kids, who works seven days a week and has a side hustle because everything she does and you try to imitate, you just can't do right now as a new mom. For some of you that... Um, are, are single men who've got all the time in the world, but then you pick some guy who's actually burdened by some stuff or is not able to go fast. He's not someone that you should try to imitate because he's not operating at a pace that's going to challenge you. And it's not about like, do you have kids? Do you not have kids? It's, it's more complex than that. Those are just two examples. You know what I'm talking about. But once you find someone who's going where you want to go, who's going at a pace that's challenging for you, here's what you got to do. Be bold and make the ask. Be bold and make the ask. I hear so often in ministry, people who are looking for mentors and they just don't know what to do. And then they finally kind of grow a pair, both guys and girls, and ask someone and say, hey, would you, would you just mentor me in this area? I really want to grow. And the person who gets asked is always incredibly honored. So if you know that there's a person that you want to imitate, you want to be like them, and you know they're operating at a pace that's challenging for you, be bold and make the ask. Maybe that means a Zoom call once a week over coffee. Maybe it means you go for a run uh, outside a couple times a week. Maybe it's you ask a leader in this church how you can contribute at a level that you've never thought about before because you know that's, you know, the next layer of your spiritual growth is gonna come on the opposite side of that sacrifice. But Paul wants you to imitate others. He wants you to find the right person to imitate. And uh, the last thing here that he says is that you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. See, if you want to grow and you don't know where to go, you start by imitating somebody. And you, and you find someone who's going to the right place in the same pace. But the most important thing is that they are pointing you to Jesus. That the person they're imitating above all is Christ himself. And this feels backwards. Like, why would I follow a person who's trying to be a copy of a copy? Like, that sounds backwards. Because we see in politics or in church history or even in culture that People represent Jesus really bad at times. But listen, you're right. Yes, Christians fail. The church isn't perfect. But even when we do a bad job of imitating Christ, if someone is rooted in truth and living in grace and living in humility as they seek to pursue Jesus, even when you fail at imitating Christ, you're still becoming better than anything you could be apart from Christ. So even when you screw up trying to imitate Jesus, you're falling in the right direction. So you can, buy a painting, uh, you can buy a painting that's like a copy of the main thing. And you can hang it up in your office or put it up in your dorm room. And you know it's not the real thing. It may be imperfect. But the copy that you have doesn't affect the cost and the price and the value of the original. And in the same way as Christians fail to represent Jesus out into our world, that doesn't take down the value of who Christ is. That even for you and me, as people try to come alongside us and follow us, we need to be open and transparent about our failures because as we seek to imitate Christ ourselves and people try to imitate us, we need to always help them remember that even when I fail, not if, when I fail, this does not impact the validity and the truth and the power of Jesus. And the truth is, it's because the grave is still empty even when I fail. That hope is still real even when I fail. 
that when someone chooses to come alongside me or someone chooses to come alongside you, when we screw up, when we set a bad precedent or set a bad example, that doesn't change the fact that God showed his great love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that we were still offensive to him because of our sin, Christ died for us. See, Jesus lived a perfect life because you couldn't. And he experienced separation and death and isolation from God so you don't have to. And he taught in this world and changed the course of human history. And in his death and resurrection on the cross, he paved the way for you and I to have an active, thriving and living relationship with him. As we fail, as we screw up, grace abounds every single time. And the reason we can experience that is just because of faith. That's all you have to do. And so maybe throughout our conversation, you've realized you want to get serious about following Christ. And maybe that means you just hit up somebody to talk. Maybe it means you pick someone uh, who is imitating Christ really well and you want to learn from them. But for some of you on this broadcast, you're actually realizing, I need to just make a decision and let someone know that I do believe Jesus is who he says he is. That he's the son of God, that he died on the cross, that he did come back to life. And even though I can't understand everything that I feel right now, I know that I need to give my life to him. And if that's you, all we want you to do at Collective is to go to your digital connection card and check the baptism box. We'll call you this week and talk about why that's the best decision you could ever make. But this whole thing started because we're trying to figure out how do we grow when we don't know where to go. And in a world of chaos and uncertainty, I think this could be really beneficial for a lot of us to realize that we don't have to rewrite the script. We don't have to start afresh or design a whole new way of growth. Paul actually outlines it for us. And so if you want to grow in this season, find someone who is and just say, hey, can I copy you? And I think on the other side of that obedience to scripture, you're going to see some crazy good fruit. You're going to see some exciting things happen in your life. And you're going to know that you're taking steps toward Jesus instead of letting the world pull you away. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you know that I'm, I'm really passionate about this. And I know that on a broadcast, it's different. And uh, I, I'm afraid and I'm scared that I, I, this didn't come across the way I'd want to. But God, I know that you are bigger than what I say. You don't reside in how well or how poorly I share something, God, uh, you reside in the truth here. And so I pray that as a church, uh, we would take steps that you've called us to, that even your spirit would nudge us in the direction that you'd give us courage to obey and to reach out to someone who's doing it right and give us the courage to make a bold ask so we could imitate them as they imitate you. Because ultimately, God, we're all responsible for imitating you to the world that so desperately needs your grace and your truth. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.